Christ. So listen as Anna reads for us Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her welfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord, Lord's hand, double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but when the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not, say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Thank you, Anna. When you think about 2020, I wonder if there is a word that comes to mind. For me, one word is disappointment. Be honest, isn't it true that almost every area of your life is touched by disappointment in one way or another? Disappointment is like milk that spreads from the spilled glass right to the edge of the table faster than you can reach and grab paper towel to clean it up. We are often disappointed with stalled careers. We're disappointed with unfulfilling relationships. We're disappointed with how our bodies look in the mirror. We're disappointed about ideals like freedom and justice and equality. Romance can be terribly disappointing. So are the people who let you down. Perhaps you are disappointed by the government or church leadership or corporate management or your husband. The way kids spend their time and money, this can be disappointing, right? Their failure to respond to your discipleship efforts, all all disappointing. Now that you're thinking about it, 
you're probably also disappointed in yourself. Perhaps you're disappointed with the way that you responded to criticism last week. Maybe you're disappointed the way that you felt validated by gossiping about a coworker, or the way that you are manipulating your spouse to get something that you want. The more of life we experience, the more disappointment seems to spread. Until we are like an elderly, neglected man in a retirement home who gets out of bed with nothing to look forward to but getting back into bed in 10 or 12 hours. This is not what I thought my life would be like. Have you said that recently? I suspect you're not alone. Even, even if circumstances don't change, even if your pain is not relieved, even if every day seems relentlessly disappointing, God pursues you today with comfort. I want you to leave here believing that. I want, you to, I want you to leave here believing that you can look up away from your present circumstances, beyond the things that seem so confounding and disorienting and discouraging and disappointing, that you can look up knowing that your future with Jesus is incredibly bright. Isaiah 40 begins a new section here in the book of Isaiah. And so, we don't have a lot of context to go on. We can't just look at chapter 39 because something has happened that has hurt God's people or been disappointing for God's people or been hard for God's people. Something negative, something discouraging, something disappointing has happened. And this is the way that God speaks to His people. God knows that they are disappointed. He knows that they are discouraged. And so our text begins with that word comfort twice. In the Hebrew Scripture, this repetition would tell us that God is serious about this comfort. He is serious about bringing comfort to his people. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. This makes me think of a mom who hears her child crying and runs to her child and wraps him in her arms and says, it's all right. M mommy's here now. Everything is going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Isaiah 40 is that type 
of a message of comfort. But hear this, God speaks better words than any mother, right? Any mother who says, it's going to be okay, she really means that, but listen, she has no power to ensure that her child's future is actually going to be okay. The child who has just fallen down and hurt himself, who is wrapped in her arms, that child is going to fall again. She means it sincerely, but she has no power to control it. God speaks better words. Look at God's comforting words in verse 2. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord double for all her sins. Our English translations of verse 2 use present tense words. Do you see them there? We see the word is and we see the word has. God's words of comfort are actually future prophetic words. So we can read this text this way. Her warfare is as good as ended. Her iniquity is as good as pardoned. In other words, the rebellion that's still deep in her heart, those sins that are hard to get rid of because they're down inside of us and nobody else knows about them. Her iniquity is as good as pardoned. It is as good as done that she receives double, in other words, abundant mercy for all her sins. Even though they face suffering, even though they are still dealing with sin in their own hearts, even though there is hardship that comes against them and they are disappointed right now, God's final word to His people, God's final word about their struggle, their fight with sin, it is not over yet, but it is as good as done. Do we still sin? Yes. Do we sometimes suffer for it? Yes. Our sins are many. But His mercy is more. In this case, the prophet says double. Double mercy for all of your sins. God knows all about you. Every hardship that you have faced in your life, He knows about every sin. He knows about every disappointment. You may find yourself scrambling again and again and again for paper towels to clean up life's disappointments. But God will not leave you there. Look up. Your future with Jesus is incredibly bright. 
For every child of God, every hard thing, every hurtful thing, every disappointment is as good as done. God himself will see to it. God is serious about bringing this comfort to his people. Another voice speaks in verses 3 through 5. Look at them again. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, this voice is not talking about road construction. He's not concerned about filling in potholes or, you know, dealing with the heaving road. I think 45th Street heaved last summer. You kind of drove by and you saw this weird peak in the road. Something underneath had, had caused it to buckle. That's not what the prophet, this prophetic voice, has in mind. This poetic language is about our hearts. Your heart needs to be prepared for the coming king. What does that mean? Well, low places, places of depression, Places of bitterness, places of resentment, places of insecurity, they need to be brought up by the Spirit's power. And high places, places of pride and and anger and arrogance, places of clinging to control like we all do from time to time, those places need to be brought level. Prepare your heart. Why? Because the glory of the Lord is about to be revealed. And everyone, all flesh, everyone is going to see him together. But not everyone will be ready. Not everyone is going to be ready for the glory of the Lord to be revealed. Some will reject God's way. Some will cling to the status quo. Some will ignore God's goodness that ought to bring them to a place of repentance. Some will remain convinced that they can handle life on their own. Some will... fight to cling to their sin. Preparing our heart reminds me of a husband who stacks up a weekend's worth of dirty dishes 
And he waits till the absolute last minute before he knows his wife is going to arrive. And then there is a scramble taking place to deal with the dirty dishes and, and, and clean up the laundry and get the bed made and, and deal with the garbage and all the things that have piled up from the weekend. Prepare him room now. What would it mean to prepare him room? Well, you can, you can choose to ignore the high places, the low places. You can choose to ignore, ignore the moldy pile of sin. Or, or, you can allow the Holy Spirit to do his cleansing work. To prepare your heart for the coming of the Lord. Those who oppose God, those who refuse His salvation, those, those who reject the Holy Spirit's power, they will not survive in God's presence. Listen, another voice cries in verse number 6. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty, like the flower of the field. If you're not trusting in Jesus, if you are not preparing your heart for His return, if you are not experiencing the Holy Spirit's power, lifting up those low places and bringing down those high places, please hear this warning, the very best that this life has to offer power and pleasure and popularity, no matter how good these things are. No matter how satisfying they may seem, no matter how desirable they may look, power and pleasure and popularity are only temporarily lovely. They catch our attention like flowers in a vase on the counter. But it won't take long and those flowers will begin to fade. Please hear this warning. The things that this world has to offer will not last. Look at verse 7. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. God's promises for His people are so wonderful, so powerful, so sure, so secure. God wants everyone to hear this good news. He wants everyone to hear that their future with Jesus can be incredibly bright. His word is sure. And He wants everyone to know this. That your future 
with Jesus can be incredibly bright. So he says, go up on a high mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. Whack the cowbell to get everybody's attention. Turn the amp up to 11. Let everybody know. Let them know. What is the message? Behold. Behold. Turn your attention to God. Pay attention to God. Look His direction. Take your eyes off of all of the discouragement, all of the disappointment, all of the hardship, all of the suffering, and turn and behold God. Look up from your disappointment and glimpse the glory of the coming King. Look up from your discouragement and anchor your hope in the unchanging Word of God. Look up from the disorienting and anxiety-producing present and by faith rest your eyes on the absolutely secure future that is as good as yours. Look up. Look up from your sadness, your grief, and your depression, and joyfully anticipate the comfort, the comfort of your Savior's presence. Look at verse number 10. Sorry, verse number 9. Go up, to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. And his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him. And his recompense, in other words, his restitution for all that life has thrown your way, his recompense is before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young child of God. Look up. Your future with Jesus is incredibly bright. Don't stop believing, child of God. Don't stop believing. Your best days with Jesus are still to come. What if you're not trusting Jesus? If you are not trusting Jesus, could I invite you, could I urge you 
to look up from your self-sufficiency? Look away from your best efforts to be right with God on your own? Give up trying to change your sinful heart apart from the Holy Spirit's power? Look up. Look up away from yourself and set your attention on God. Set your attention on His promises for His people. Look up. Look up and see Jesus suffering on the cross, taking your place, bearing your shame, feeling and absorbing all of God's wrath against your sin. See Him there. Behold Him there. If you are not trusting in Jesus, look up. God's mercy is yours today through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Friends, as we anticipate this glorious return of our Lord, we also are a people privileged to look back. Jesus came near to comfort His people. And in coming near to comfort us, Jesus gave up every personal comfort. Jesus willingly exchanged the glory of his Father's presence for the filthy bottom of a manger. Why? Why? So that you could have hope. So that you could be comforted when it seems like disappointment is spreading through your life like spilt milk. Look up. Look up, people of God. Your future with Jesus is incredibly bright. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Would you send your Holy Spirit to do work in our hearts? Where we have felt disappointment and discouragement and despair and even depression this week. Would you lift our eyes of faith and cause us to behold the glory of our coming King? Would you help your people? to submit to the Holy Spirit's power, bringing down high places, raising up low places, preparing our hearts for His return. Father, we believe there are people here this morning who need to trust in Jesus.
Would you send your Holy Spirit to do work in their hearts? Convict them, as Jesus says, of their sin, of judgment that awaits them apart from Christ, and stir in their hearts a desire to give up all of their own hard work to be right with you, Father, and instead to trust Jesus for every moment of their future. We ask this, believing that you will send your Spirit to do this work in all of our hearts. We believe that you will send your Spirit because we recognize that this work will give you glory and it will be for our good. Thank you for your word. Help us as we reflect on it and continue to worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.